Good morning, church family, and uh, all those watching on live stream. We're glad that you're joining with us today, this morning as well. And whenever you watch this in the future, uh, we're glad that you're here with us. So real quick, before we get started, I want to take a moment. It is Memorial Day weekend, uh, and I want to take a moment to say something and, and recognize those. So Memorial Day is all about remembering those who fought for our freedom, those who uh, were veterans, went off into war, into battle, uh, even those that were here domestically and, and they didn't make it back home to their families. And uh, that's always a sad thing, but we're super thankful for them and what they did. And uh, most of the time for Veterans Day, you know, we get everybody to stand up if, if you're a veteran and we recognize you. But uh, obviously for Memorial Day, we can't do that. But something we can do is um, if you've got a family member or a loved one or a friend, somebody that you knew that was in, in the armed forces in service that uh, didn't make it back home, uh, just for us to, you know, see you, recognize you, and uh, to remember to pray for you and your family during this time. If that's you and you say, I've got somebody that uh, aren't served in the military that didn't make it back home, just raise your hand, and that, that lets us know to, to remember. We'll, we'll pray for you guys uh, this week as well. And we're thankful for the service that those individuals had and what they did for us and uh, everything that they gave to make America the country that it is and to give us the freedoms and the honor that we have uh, to do what we do. And one of those mainly is the freedom of, uh, of religion, to be able to do what we do, to worship Jesus without persecution that, that is not available in other places. So we're thankful for that, and uh, we're super thankful for all those who did give the ultimate gift uh, of their life for what we get here in America. And for those of you watching on live stream, we're uh, reaching out to you as well. We'd like to say happy Memorial Day. And if you've lost a loved one, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. With that, uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to get us in a good place. I'm going to get myself in a position to be able to, to deliver the word of God this morning. So if y'all would just pray with me and we'll get started. God, we just thank you again for today, for this opportunity to do uh, what you've called us to do, to be here to uh, to praise you, to give your word. And we just pray that today you allow each and every bit of this to be about you. God, you soften our ears, open our hearts, help it to be that we're able to grasp exactly, exactly what we need to get from you, God. And that uh, today, if this is the last time that you ever use me to present your word, to, that you ever use me to give your gospel, Father, I pray that it's done in a way that's pleasing to you, in a manner that brings glory to your name. And uh, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and what he did for us in dying on the cross. And uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. So this week, as you've heard, Alan is at the main campus uh, doing what he needs to do. And in return, he called me which uh, happened, man, probably three or four weeks ago. And that was probably, I was excited that Alan called. Uh, most of the time when Alan calls, if he's called y'all, y'all know. It's not to call and say, hey, Alan usually calls because something's going on and he needs help, right? Okay, am I the only one? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Uh, Alan's a good guy, but man, he's busy. And whenever stuff comes up, he'll call. And, and uh, when he needs help, we make sure to reach out and help him in any way we can. So he called me and he said, hey, I'm going to be uh, covering down for Andy John on the 30th. I need you to, to preach on, on May 30th for me. And I said, hey, man, yeah, that's no, no problem. I said, uh, anything in particular? Just do what I always do. And he said, no, no, no. Um, we're going to wrap up week four of the series we're going to be in sent. And I said, oh, okay, well, that's, that's great. That, that'll be good. Um, he said, so what I need you to do is you're going to do sent 
week four. And I said, great. Uh, do you have an outline, anything that y'all are working off of something that'll just help me make sure I stay on track? And he said, no, <laughs> I got a title for you. It's called scent where you're unfamiliar. Uh, and I said, that's fantastic. So, uh, here I am and I'm working through this and I'm going, all right, scent where you're unfamiliar, the uttermost parts and I'm struggling big time. All right. Now, this is me, what I told, told the first service. I'm, I'm ripping open my chest, and I'm showing you my heart. So please do not rip it out and step on it. I am being completely honest, bold, open with you guys, uh, because that's kind of how all this went down. But uh, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm working through this, and I'm going, all right, scent where you're unfamiliar to the uttermost parts. Never done it. Alan says, preach on foreign missions, and I'm going, I've never done that. Not only not preached on, I've never went on a missions trip in that regard. I've never felt called to go to a foreign country. That's never been something I've done. And I had conversations with him, probably three or four. And one of them I know was with Will and Alan. And I was like, I feel like a hypocrite doing this. You're asking me to get up and preach about something that I've never done. You're asking me to get up and preach about something that I've actually, in what I thought, never been called to do. You may be like me. You may be sitting out there and you go, I've never went on a mission trip and I've never felt called to go to a third world country to, to witness about Jesus, to serve uh, somebody else, to help them build a church or do whatever happens on a mission trip. That may be you. If that's you, I'm hoping I'm, I'm connecting with you, right? If that's not you and you're out there and you're judging the fool out of me, I'm sorry <laughs> because I'm honest. I'm open. This is the way I am. I asked Alan probably three or four different times if I could please do something else. And he's like, no, there's no chance. And uh, he's mean like that, so he forced me to do this anyways. But uh, I'm glad that he did because it taught me. It, it showed me a lot. It grew me in my spiritual life. And uh, that's what we're going to go through today. You're going to walk through sent where you're unfamiliar, foreign missions with me the way that it was revealed to me. Um, and it took a while and this is probably the most nervous that I've been preaching on a Sunday morning in years, uh, cause I kind of got used to it and kind of got it figured out a little bit. I'm like, all right, I'm 31 now. I'm getting a little more comfortable, but doing something that I've never done. This was a tough one. So y'all in there, y'all good. Everybody happy. All right. Well, y'all hang in there with me. I'm going to be honest through the whole thing. And I hope that y'all, uh, just keep your heart honest as well, all right? Don't judge me. If I offend you, I apologize. Get over it, all right? Everybody good with that? <laughs> Man, I'm being honest, ripping it open, all right? Here we go. We're going to get started. Um, the intro to this, scent where you are unfamiliar. Scent where you're unfamiliar. We're going to jump right into this. We're going to go point one right out of the gate. Point one is go when you're inconvenienced. Go when you're inconvenienced. We're going to open up in Jonah chapter one, starting in verse one through three, Jonah chapter one, verses one through the three. This is what it says. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai saying, arise, go. Everybody say it with me. Say arise, go, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city and call out against it for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee. Everybody say rose to flee. All right. So God said, arise, go. And what does Jonah do? He rose and fled. We look at that and we go, wow, Jonah, man, come on. Really? 
That God said, arise, go, and you arose and went the other way. What's your deal, dude? Why are you doing that? And we give Jonah a bad rep, not realizing that we may inadvertently do the exact same thing. When I was working through this, and I'm, I'm talking about going through like foreign missions and me never doing it, I'm like, well, I'm kind of like Jonah. God said, arise, go. And he said, no, I'm doing something else. God has put out mission trips in, in my path, and I've arise, not went, right? I've never been. I've had the opportunities in working with churches and doing everything that I've done to go, and I've never went. We're going to work through that. But y'all watch this. Jonah doesn't go to Nineveh because you find out later in, in, in the chapters in that book that Jonah says, I don't go because I knew you would save them. I didn't go tell them about you and I didn't go speak out against them and rebuke what they were doing because I knew you're full of mercy and you're full of grace and you would have taken them back to you. And I didn't want that. I wanted Nineveh to get what they deserved. I didn't want Nineveh to be saved. I didn't want that, so I ran. And you say, how are you like Jonah? I think we probably do that more times than not. Open it up here. If y'all are like me, there's probably at least one person in your life where you've said, I don't want to extend grace and mercy to you. You've hurt me. You've been mean to me. You've caused me harm. You've just been a bad person. And to be honest, I don't think you deserve it. And you get what you deserve. Why would... Jesus can save me. He can save the worst of me. He can, he can take the very nastiness that I am, the filthy rags to his righteousness that I am. He can take that and he can save it and he can wash it and make it clean. But for that person, no. Not that they're not able to get it. I don't think in me I want them to get it. I've got people in my life and I struggle with that and I work through that to where I have a very hard time extending grace and mercy to them. That's exactly what Jonah did. Jonah said, I've seen those people. I don't want to tell them about you because you're good, God, and you'll forgive them. And we're talking about being sent when it's uncomfortable. For me, the uncomfort is I've never done this. I've never done foreign missions. I feel like I have to in order to do foreign missions, international mission work, to go to the uttermost parts. I feel like I've got to leave to go do it. And that's not a calling I have. If you lay out all four things, you go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, the four places that Christ commanded us to go. He said, take it to the uttermost part of the world. If you laid all four of those out equally, they're the same cost. They're the exact same time. It requires the exact same amount for me, all the same. My heart is here. It's where I'm at to serve those around me. And I thought that was a problem. You'll see this as we work through it. You may not be called to the third world countries. You may be called here. You may be called to Tuscaloosa. You may be called to Las Vegas. It may be something where you're calling within your requirement changes. Y'all ready for this? Y'all good? Everybody good? Go when you're uncomfortable. You got to get out of yourself. I have to get out of myself. Don't let it be something where you feel like I'm pigeonholing something and don't even let it get to where your flesh keeps you from doing what God's called you to do. Turn with, you, with me, if you would, to Matthew 28. Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 16. 
Matthew 28, 16. We all know this. We've seen it. It's the Great Commission. But let's break it down for a second. Starting in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him... They worshiped him, but some of them doubted. And Jesus came to his disciples and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Y'all watch this. I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, anytime you read scripture and you come across the word, therefore, you need to ask this question. What's the therefore, therefore? All right, let's say that again. What's the therefore, therefore? Y'all look at what the word therefore means. It's definition, why, what it is. Therefore means for that reason, consequently. For that reason and consequently. Let's reread this and really dig into it. Jesus came and told his disciples, this is verse 18. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth for that reason. Consequently, for that reason, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When you look at it that way, you understand that go is not a choice. Go is because. Consequently, Jesus has said, I've been given all authority over heaven and earth. It's me. I have that authority. And in turn, I've given you that authority. And for that reason, for that reason alone, no other reason, not what you think, not what you feel, not what you want to do or what you think's right or wrong or where you feel called or loved or whatever. It doesn't matter. I've been given all authority over heaven and earth through my name and my power because I am the son of God. And for that reason, go. For that reason, go therefore and make disciples. I never looked at it like that until I realized <laughs> it's not a choice. I know it's not a choice, but I, I never really looked at it in a sense of it's not even a, a choice as to me being a Christian here, but when I go on vacation, I don't. A lot of people, I think, live that way. If I'm not where people know me, I can act the way I want to act. I can do what I want to do because I'm not hurting my witness there because I witness to people in Elkmont. Therefore, go and make disciples everywhere. You should be, as Alan said, Christians, little Christ. We should be like little Christ everywhere we are, running around, exemplifying Christ Jesus in all that we do because he has given us that authority. Can we dig into this now? Y'all good? Everybody happy? All right. Point number two. Y'all watch this. Point number two as we really get going and dig into this. Go when you're incapable. Go when you're incapable. Now, that may seem seem tough. It may seem like, well, how are you incapable of going? Jesus has told us to go. Y'all watch this. Matthew 10, verses 40 through 42. Matthew chapter 10, 40 through 42. It says, whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is righteous will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly, I say, you will by no means lose his reward. So here you see Jesus point this out. And he says, 
If you receive a prophet, because he's a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. If you receive a righteous person, just because he's a righteous person, you get a righteous person's reward. If you receive someone who sent me, you, you uh, receive the one who sent him, in essence. He's saying, what you get and what you do, the reward matches it. Now, I'm about to show you something, okay? How many of y'all play basketball? Or know what basketball is, right? We got a, a common working knowledge of that sport. In basketball, whenever everybody's doing what they do and they're they're running down the court and they're dribbling and they're they're juking and doing, they throw it behind the back and dude catches it and throws up a three pointer. Woo! Everybody goes crazy. He just made a three. But what does the dude who passed the ball to the guy who shot it get? An assist, right? He he passed the ball to the dude who who scored the goal. Now that's Tyrell's game. Y'all don't some of y'all seen Tyrell. He doesn't score that many points, but he racks up some assists because that's his job. His job in basketball is to pass the rock to the to the people, and he does a really good job of it. Okay? He gets just as much credit as the dude that shot the goal, that made the basket, the one that, that shoots the three pointer. But there's another sport. That does it a little bit different. And it's a kind of cool thing. What is this? A hockey stick. This here is a hockey stick. Now, I, this is not my hockey stick. Uh, I got rid of my hockey stick when we moved to Elkmont. I had it. I bought it one time to play stick and puck with my brother-in-law because he played hockey. And I thought, well, this is going to be fantastic. So I went and bought me a left-handed hockey stick because I'm left-handed and it cost me about $30. And my girlfriend, who is now my wife at the time, got really mad at me because I spent $30 on a useless hockey stick. But for me, that was the thing to do because how was I going to play stick and buck with my brother-in-law had I not bought that hockey stick? Now I don't have the hockey stick and that $30 is wasted and I had to go dig this one out of a burn pile so that <laughs> I could use it as a sermon illustration. But in hockey, it does something different. In hockey, the guy who passes the puck to the dude who passes the puck to the dude who scores the goal also gets an assist. It's called a hockey assist, and it is one that they do that most other sports don't do. So not only does the guy who passed it to the dude who scored get an assist in the books, the dude who made the pass to him that made the pass to him that scored the goal gets an assist. I see this in Scripture in a really cool way in the fact that you may not be the one that goes and wins a soul. You may not be the one that ends up in the third world country that saves a life. You may not be the one that, that has the end result reaping what was sowed. But if you're one of them down here that did something for somebody, that did something for somebody, that touched the guy, that sent the dude, that saved the soul, I think each and every one of you get a reward in heaven. I think you all had a hand in the salvation of a soul. So when I say sent when you're incapable, you may not be able to physically go. You may not be able to, to go to the place, whether it be your, your age, your, your physical ability won't allow you. Financially, you can't go. Don't let that stop you. You have been called to go. And there are multiple ways to go. Y'all watch this. One of the ways you can do this is through prayer. And that is probably the most important way you can do it. Pray for those that are out there. Pray for the ones that have already went. Pray for the ones that feel that churning in their gut to get to where they're going. 
And I feel like if you pray for them and something good happens, you also get the reward. Listen to this, Matthew 10. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. Y'all see that, right? Because you received this one and he received Jesus, you, or yeah, because Jesus himself, because he received Jesus, you also received the Father because you're all in agreement about it. Y'all see how that flows? The one who receives a prophet because he's a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. It, it's all about your agreements with stuff and how you support it and what it means to you. You can support foreign missions more so by actually giving. You may not be able to go, but you can give to it. You can give to the cause. You can support foreign missions by serving. Where I, in multiple churches I've come from, they've done foreign mission lunches after service. Man, sacked lunch. Here's a hamburger for five bucks, right? That money goes to foreign missions. Awesome, fantastic. I think, this is just me, this is Josephology right here. I think the dude that grilled the burgers and the guy that put the burger on the bun and put it in a bag and the guy that bought the bag, the guy that ate the lunch, that sent the dude that went to the foreign missions that maybe saved a soul, I think they all have a hand in that. You were called to go even if you're incapable of going. Don't lose sight of that. Don't, don't miss the fact and get so wrapped up in it like I did that it's a physical Every time you have to go. If I don't go on a mission trip, I have not supported foreign missions. That's not right. You were called to the uttermost parts in several different ways. Y'all continue to watch this as we work through it. You can also give to foreign missions by supporting organizations that are already set up. My wife pointed this out to me because I was really struggling with it. As I'm working through this, I'm going, I'm not supporting foreign missions at all. I don't, I haven't done it. I'm a failure. I'm not doing good. And I, and my heart's just not going about overseas, but I don't know what to do. And she says, Joseph, you, we support foreign missions already. You just don't realize it. And she said, what about our compassion kids that we support? An organization called compassion. If y'all haven't heard about it, it takes kids in, in third world countries. Those are in a, a harsher climate than we are. You give a little bit of money every month and it puts them in classes. It puts them in places where they learn about Jesus. It provides them food. It takes care of them. We have two little girls, Nanis and Emmy, and uh, we support them. And she said, look, you're supporting international missions even without going. Didn't even see that. You know, so the whole time I'm feeling like a complete failure and she's going, there's more ways to do this than one. And, and she helped me through this world vision is another organization. It works very similar uh, to compassion where you adopt a child and you pay for that child each month just to make sure that they have the basic needs that they have operation Christmas child, where you send the shoe boxes. How many of y'all have ever done that? At Christmas, you pack up a shoebox, you send it out, it goes and goes to the facility in Atlanta where they take it and ship it out to all the world. That's a way that you reach foreign missions just by packing a shoebox here. You're making a difference. You're providing Jesus to those in need. One that I didn't mention last service that I'll mention this service is one that I actually think is really cool. Um, at a church that I was at, it's a certain denomination where they do this. It's pushed there, and I, I believe it could be pushed worldwide because it's so cool what they do. It's called Speed the Light. All right, now, this is something that I didn't know about until about three years ago, but uh, it's a youth 
led thing where students come together and they speed the light. Now, that may not make sense to many of you, but some of these foreign missionaries that are in the field need transportation, whether that's where they are, they need a bike or they need a vehicle, or sometimes they even need equipment in order to present the gospel. We have all of our equipment, everything we do. This microphone's making words go out a lot farther than they would if it was just me. Speed the Light is a way that students raise funds to give to this to support foreign missions, to get them bikes, vehicles, equipment, everything they need in order to do what they do in the mission field. Now, the way they do it's actually pretty cool. Anything they want to do. You make cupcakes and you sell them, you give the money to Speed the Light, they call that like cupcake in the light. Right? Anything you want to come up with. You uh, ride a bike so many miles and somebody pays you 10 cents a mile. Well, you biked the light. They, they came up with all these really cool ways just to raise money to support foreign missions. And I'm like, I've been doing it this whole time and never realized it. That we're supporting and doing what we can for foreign missions easily. Not by going, but just by doing what we do from the comfort of our home. Right? And I'll tell you this last story, and then we'll keep moving on. This one's a personal story. It's, it's from home. It, it, it touches me here. When Judah was about 10 months old, um, y'all see him now. He's a gorgeous, perfect little child. But when he was about 10, month, 10 months old, his head was not perfect. Um, you might, have well, might as well have taken a two-by-four and smacked him in the back of the head because it was flat. Right? I mean, he was right there. Was not rounded, did not curve, nothing. Now, before you judge us, we are not bad parents. We rotated our child. We did everything we were supposed to do. But when he was born, he came out of the womb a little cone-headed. And bless his heart, he just it never went back. I mean, he just didn't make it. And uh, it was something that we struggled with. We did everything we could. We made him take naps and, you know, laid him on his side. You know, we did everything we could. But there came a point whenever the doctor said what I dreaded to hear, which I thought was coming, was, hey, we need to put your kid in a helmet. That was a tough one for me. Y'all can think of it. Parents, you would hate for your kid to have to walk around in a helmet for four to six months. This little guy's growing up, and I'm thinking, what are people going to say about him? Are they going to think something's wrong with him? He's got to have a helmet. And he didn't care. He didn't know. He don't even remember it. But me, man, I was struggling. I was struggling hard. I'm like, my poor kid, I know he's cone-headed and he looks funny, but we need to get that fixed. But I don't want to put him in a helmet. So we struggled with it and we did it. And as we're starting this process, I told Lauren, I was like, I'm really, I'm having a hard time with this, even though I'm a parent that has the means and the ability to get him taken care of. I need to do something with this that will make me feel better. Something that will help me deal with this. Because I know the feeling I'm having as a parent that there's something wrong with my kid and I've got to get it fixed. But what about the parents that have kids where they can't get it fixed? So what I did was I took uh, Judah's name and I put it on a shirt, just real big, Judah. And I should have brought the shirt. I should have wore it, but I didn't. That's a fail on my part. But I put his name on it, just Judah. And I drew a helmet around the J. So like his name was wearing a helmet and it was the type helmet that he would wear. And I had that shirt made and we put on there hashtag unleash healing. And I sold them. 
And we sold them and we sold them. Not only to gain support, not that we needed it, but just for people to go, I support this because of what it's supporting. And I took that money and we ended up giving it to Cure International. Any of y'all have ever listened to Way FM, you've heard Cure International mentioned. Cure International is probably one of the best things that you can do as a person to give to an organization that will make a huge difference. Cure International is a, a group of hospitals and doctors that are in third world countries that actually come together. And for cheap prices, give life-saving and life-changing surgeries to kids. The ones where their parents can't do it. Most of the disabilities they have is club foot and spina bifida. Very easy, fixable things for these kids that those parents can't do. And I know what it was like when I thought, my kid's got to have a helmet, big whoop. But I felt... I felt so bad that my kid needed something. I'm so thankful I could give it to him, but I couldn't imagine being a parent where in a third world country, if my child has a disability like a club foot or spina bifida, that I have to hide them. I have to keep them out of culture because if people see them, they think there's something wrong with them. They, they, they won't have anything to do with them in society. So I did what I could do and we gave the money. We gave it to Cure International to sponsor a surgery to heal a kid. Supporting international missions without even realizing it because of a selfish thing I was doing. I needed to make myself feel better. You see, it's not all about physically going as much as it is your heart being in a place to push the gospel. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. We'll, we'll finish this out. We'll, we'll jump into it. Point number three, as we, we try to start wrapping this one up. Point number three. Go when you're impressed. Not like y'all were when you saw me this morning. Like, man, I'm impressed. Not that impressed. Impressed like, I feel like I've got to go. I need this. I've got to do this. It is a churning in your gut. Impressed. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I'm going to read y'all some scripture. We're going to jump into this. And this is where I really want to camp out for a minute. If you have your Bibles, let's turn into it to Acts 23, and then we're going, going to go into Acts 25 and 26. So start with me in Acts 23, verse 11. Go when you're impressed. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Now, that might not seem like much. Paul had a desire to go to Rome. He had a desire to take the gospel to Rome. It was something he needed to do, wanted to do, had to do. This mic is killing me. It's wanting to fall off my ear. Um, this was something that Paul had to do. Now, this may not seem like much, but watch the story. Paul then in turn goes to the temple in Jerusalem. While he's in the temple in Jerusalem, a great mob of men decide they want to jump this dude. They want to take him out. They want to kill him. So they say, hey, men of Israel, y'all come on. Let's take him out. So this mob jumps Paul. They start dragging him out, beating him. They're whooping the snot out of him, doing everything they can to kill him. It got so bad. The mob got so big and so violent that a guard actually had to come in, get him out, pull Paul out of it, stand him up, and arrest him. They arrested Paul for no reason in theory, but they did it to save him because it was getting so violent. So they pulled Paul out and they're like, all right, man, we're, we got him. We got him crowd. Don't worry. He's right here with us. Calm down. We got him. From there, 
Paul then has to go on trial because he was arrested. And everybody there was putting charges against him, mainly charges of being a troublemaker and making people go against Jewish traditions. Crimes that are nothing because he didn't even do them. So Paul gets put in prison, a holding cell in essence for what it would be while he's awaiting his trial. And that's where we're going to pick this up. So y'all watch this. Acts 25 verses 6 through 12, uh, 8 through 12. Acts 25, 8 through 12. Paul denied the charges. He says, I am not guilty of any crime against the Jewish law or the temple of the Roman government, he said. And then Festus, who was the judge at the time, waiting to please the Jews, asked him, are you willing to go to Jerusalem to stand trial before me there? And Paul replied, no, this is an official Roman court. So I ought to be tried right here. You know very well that I'm not guilty of harming the Jews. And if I've done something worthy of death, I do not refuse to die. But if I am innocent, no one has the right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. In verse 12, Festus concert can with his advisors and then replied, very well, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. On the outlook, that means nothing. But to Paul, that means everything. Because where's Caesar? Rome. He gets arrested in the temple, gets put in prison while he's waiting this trial. They start to try him. They're like, eh, no, dude. Uh, so we don't know. And he's like, I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. And I know you could set me free. So instead of you doing that, I appeal to Caesar. Get me out of here. I'm going to Rome one way or another, but it's better to go on your ticket and your dime than mine. And they said, very well, you appeal to Caesar. To Caesar, you will go. That seems very basic. But y'all watch it, what this meant. 25 AD, sorry, 52 AD, dyslexic there. 52 AD, 57. Wow, I should really look at my notes. 57 AD is when Paul got arrested, okay? The very first time in the temple. You know how many years he was in chains before he was actually set free in Rome? Anybody want to guess? How about two? Nah, Three. Way too easy. Five years from when he gets arrested at the temple to go through the very first trial while they were running their whole political process. He appeals to Caesar, goes to Rome. And y'all know the story between him getting from where he was to getting to Rome. He ends up being shipwrecked. They go through this whole big thing. He goes to Malta. He's healed, bitten by a snake, the whole big thing. And he finally gets to Rome. It doesn't end there. He's got to face trial in Rome. And they put him on house arrest for two years while he was in Rome before his trial. And by house arrest, that means he had a guard chained to him every day, every hour for two years. He couldn't leave his home. People could come in. And a lot of people may have seen that like, man, Paul, you're, you're hosed, dude. You can't go anywhere. All Paul saw was this dude can't go anywhere either. <laughs> and you see in scripture through some of the other epistles that everybody knew why, why Paul was in chains. It knew it was because of Christ. And many came to know that and came to believe in Christ. I'd say because Paul, when he had him hitched to him, didn't say, well, pitiful me. He said, hey, since you can't go anywhere, you want to hear about Jesus? I've got a captive audience that can't leave me. 
So you've got Paul who said, I'm going to lay down my entire life. I'm going to get rid of everything that I have. It doesn't matter. I appeal to Caesar because God told me to go to Rome. That's the churning in my gut. I'm going to Rome. And this was a way that he got there. And it cost him five years of his life in chains. But what you see is that he showed people Jesus the entire way. In the shipwreck at Malta, when he's chained up in his house, all of it. He's proclaiming Christ. Go when you're impressed. That's whenever you know you've got to do something. There are people who will lay down everything they have here in this country, everything they have in this home, in this life that they have, and they'll leave because they feel a calling to go to another country. They feel a calling to a people group. I applaud those people. That is fantastic. Like I told you earlier, I'm I'm called to go to all four to support all four, to go there for and make disciples. And there are multiple ways to do that. Given the opportunity, my heart is here. Like Paul's heart was Rome, my heart's here. But there are some, and you may be one of them, your heart may not be here, and that's okay. Your heart may be, I feel called to Africa. I feel called to Malaysia. I feel called to Japan, to China. I don't know. I don't know. That's up to you and God. But some of you, you know, you've got a calling. You have an overarching responsibility to go there for, but there are many callings within that. Like I said, my, my heart, if ever given the opportunity of all four, man, I, I lean towards, let me serve those around me. Where there, there are probably others who are like, if I'm given the opportunity, I'm headed to Haiti because those people have my heart. And that's good. That's great. And we can all support each other for the cause of Christ. Y'all see that? Now, when Paul goes to Rome and he goes through this five-year thing, I want y'all to see this in Acts 26, verses 31 and 32. Acts 26, 31 and 32. It says, as they went out, it's talking about the judges. They talked it over and agreed. This man hasn't done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, he could have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. He could have been set free. Five years in chains would have been gone. The shipwreck, the horror, the things he went through, being chained to a Roman guard for two years, all that would have been gone because he would have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. See the heart of Paul. Given the option between change for Christ and freedom to give the gospel, he chose change for Christ. Go when you're impressed. I'm going to wrap all this up and put a pretty little bow on it with John 20, verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Even so, I am sending you. Because Jesus has all authority and because of who he is and because he has placed the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, he says, go. Take that to all the nations, whether that's you physically going, whether that's you praying for those who go, whether that's you supporting those who go, or whether that's you actually just giving of yourself in whatever capacity to make sure that you spread the gospel. That is our requirement. 
that's what we've been enlisted to do. And as Will comes and, and we get ready to close this, I want to make sure that I recap the sent series for you. You're called to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts. You see that north has three of these. You see that um, your Jerusalem is everything we do here in Elkmont. I think we're partnering with uh, building bridges to make sure that we reach the community in several different ways through that, not to mention all the other ways that we reach them with the concession stand, the services that we do, everything that we do here in the community. That's our Jerusalem. Uh, Our Judea is the new church that we're partnering with, uh, Church of the Oaks in Tuscaloosa. Church of the Oaks. We're taking that trip down at the end of July to beginning of August to help support them. Our Samaria is um, Favor City Church in Las Vegas. That's the one that we're partnering with with Las Vegas. You've seen it. Alan wanted me to let y'all know that our uttermost parts has not been given to us yet. He's praying about it. We're seeking it. He's working on some things, but he does not have that thing to present to you to say this is our partner for foreign missions we're getting there y'all continue to pray for him all right pray for the direction of this church that we support foreign missions the way that we're supposed to because it's not all about necessarily physically up and going in the mission trip and you can support foreign missions in the cause of christ through all the avenues that we've been given for paul it probably didn't mean going because he couldn't send money to an organization that does it No, Paul was the vessel that took Jesus. There are so many other vessels now that take Jesus that even you can just give to it and be a part of the hockey assist or what I'd call the holy assist to get Jesus to another nation. Don't lose heart in foreign missions. For me, it was something where I looked at it and I was like, man, I'm killing it. I'm not doing good. I don't feel qualified to do this. I feel like a hypocrite if I get up here and say foreign missions, foreign missions, when I have done nothing, not realizing that I have done something and now see more clearly what my call is as a believer in Christ, that I am to be a little Christian to everybody that I'm around, whether that's here, there, or however I can push the gospel to the nations. Now, as we get ready to close, as always, this altar is open. If you need to do business with God in whatever shape, form, or fashion, whether that's you're struggling with something, you're saying, man, there's somebody, there's that one thing. I'm like Jonah. I can't get past it. I can't extend grace and mercy to that individual. I can't see God healing them because I don't forgive them. And if I don't forgive them, I don't want God to forgive them because what they've done is bad. Man, if that's something you got to deal with, get up here and do business with God. Let him deal with you. If you can say, I need to do better about my giving, about my going. I need to make sure that I spread the gospel and however I can. If that's you and you need to do business with God, it's here for you. And lastly, if you're out there and you can say, man, you're talking about sending the gospel to people. I don't even have the gospel myself. I need to share Jesus with the world. I've got to get Jesus in my heart. If you feel convicted that the Holy Spirit's drawing you and he's saying you need to be saved, you need Jesus Christ in your life, that's something you can do too. We've got counselors here that can talk to you. I can talk to you. We can make sure that you get your life with Christ in order. And if you're listening with us online, please fill out that connect card with any decision that you have, any decision you have to make. Talk to us. We want to help you in whatever facet that we can as Lindsay Lane North. As Will comes, he's about to sing. If y'all would, y'all stand. The altar's yours. We're here for you in whatever facet that you need to respond.